I'm going to do two things. I'm going to, I'm going to pray and ask God to show up and speak through me. And I never take that for granted. I, I always need him. And the second thing I'm going to ask you to do is I'm going to ask you to hear the Lord. And, and what I mean by that is, you know, we, we sang a song up here uh, written by Martin Luther. Any, everyone know who Martin Luther? Not Martin Luther King, Martin Luther the German, 500 years ago. Ref, ever heard of the Reformation? Okay, Martin Luther was the man God used in Germany to wake that up and recover the biblical teaching of justification by faith, which is you're declared righteous in Jesus Christ. You're not just have your sins removed, you're literally given as an upfront gift the very righteousness of Jesus himself. It's all been earned, it's all been worked, it's all been performed, it's all been obtained and gained. His performance, his perfect performance has gained you a status with God of absolute righteousness forever and ever. Now, that's some good news, okay? That's great news. And so, I want you to hear something because Martin Luther and the other reformers talked about preaching not as a dispensing of information to the ignorant, but as an occasion where the Spirit of God takes the Word of God through a man of God so that you might have a fresh encounter with the person of the Lord Jesus Christ here in this moment, it's an encounter with him. You're not here just to gain more facts because, let's face it, how many Bible sermons, classes, studies have we been to? We can't even number them. What we need, my friends, isn't just more factual information we need a fresh manna from heaven, a food for our soul encounter with the risen Lord Jesus Christ that would leave us different people than when we came. So we're going to ask God to serve that up, all right? So I'm just warning you, I'm trying not to frighten you. Some people call me God's defibrillator, okay? <laughs> we kind of like shock, get the shock pads out and like, oh, you know, kind of wake people up a little bit especially the stoical Scandinavians and, and, and the… Never mind. Okay, let's, let's pray before I get in trouble. All right, Lord, I want to thank you. I want to thank you that you love each of us so dearly. You made us. You fashioned us. All of our days are written in your book. You know even when… when uh, you know the number of the hairs of our head. You know even when a sparrow falls to the ground, you know us. You know everything there is to know about us to the inner depths, things we don't even know about, and you still love us, and you still sent Christ for us, and he still died in our place and for our stead, a sinner's death, that we might be granted everlasting life that he earned and a righteous status that he deserved, that we might be credited and stand firm and boldly in that grace, that we might be that we might use that status, that holy justified status, to see you do great things by the power of the Spirit. So I pray, please, please, please speak to us in a fresh way. Let us know that we know that we've been in your presence and you have spoken and give us the grace to go out and do what we've learned and heard. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, Though, 
those of you who weren't the 70 people who came to the after worship service uh, workshop, let me take a moment just to say what we did there. We looked at what evangelism isn't, and then we looked at a definition of evangelism, and the first part of that definition is in cooperation with the Holy Spirit. And we rehearsed that teaching we've probably heard about confessing sin surrendering our will, and having a fresh, empowering leadership experience where the Spirit blows His wind and our sail is turned to catch it, and now we're going with Him. And we had, how many were here last at the workshop after service? Did, did God meet us? Amen. He met us. And, and we can do that anytime, as often as we need to, as believers, we can go and confess our sins and yield our wills and receive that fresh connection and filling power of the Spirit. And then the second thing we did is we ended with, is there anything beyond that standing in our way? Is there any roadblock, hindrance? And then we prayed for one another for God to remove those things in our way. And you can do that also without having to go to the workshop. It's okay. We allow that, all right? So now we're going to look at some skills, and, and we're going to look at how do we take this process of evangelism, of helping at least one pre-Christian take one step closer to Jesus Christ? How do we help in cooperation with the Holy Spirit and with one another? How do we help people take one step closer to Jesus Christ? I'm glad you asked. Okay. I, I do have a dry sense of humor. I apologize for that, so... I'll try to pick on Pastor Bob a little bit more because you guys seem to enjoy it when I do that. And, and so, um, yeah, he's, he's my straight man. So, so here, is, here it is. If you can memorize these three words, and these three words, this process has been around for decade after decade. When I was an evangelism pastor in Longview in the early 90s, we, we taught this. It is a sound, biblical, step-by-step method of seeing Christ work to bring people to Himself, using you and me to do that. So we start with something called prayer. Now, getting back to Martin Luther, I, I, I was, and, and we're going we're gonna to look at some verses here in a moment. We will get to the Bible. I promise. Okay, we're, we're getting there. We're getting there. But, but prayer. Prayer. I want you to imagine I'm trying to have a conversation with, with someone, and I will return these, worship leader, relax, okay, so. I want you to imagine I'm having a conversation with someone, and it's like, hi, hi, Bob, um, it's really, really nice to talk to you, and there's, there's some things I, I want to ask you for and talk to you about, and how do you think Bob's feeling? Who, what am I talking to? Okay, now I have a prayer list. But I don't pray to the list. I pray to a person. And everything I'm going to say about evangelism flows out of that vertical, intimate, righteous and alive by grace through faith relationship with Jesus Christ and praying in that. And in fact, those of you who were men who went to men's roundup, I, I, 
It's interesting because for about the third or fourth time this year, I have received this reminder from the Lord that one of the lost teachings in the evangelical church is the teaching of justification by faith. Martin Luther was dead on, spot on, right. There's something about believing that God righteouses sinners that is hard for our justice and reward and punishment little minds to get ourselves around. We think God is the rewarder or the punisher when actually he is the righteouser of sinners. And I'll tell you, it takes faith to believe that, not for some people over there, but for the sinner we know best, ourselves. Do you feel like God loves you, likes you? I'm glad for you. You're one of the minority. Because what do we see most clearly about ourselves because we know ourselves the best? What's, what's so painfully real to us? Our sins, our faults, our failings, all the ways we blow it. It hurts. It, 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 it breaks our heart and it troubles us because we keep doing this. So I'm going I'm to just say this. Martin Luther, sorry I'm on a Martin Luther kick this morning, but there's just some good stuff. When he began to pray, he started to confess his sins and cry out to God. And we, we did that last Sunday at our workshop. And, and people around him would say, we felt sorry for Martin Luther. He'd just be crying out to God about all these sins and things in his life. And then, then he would switch and start praying as if Christ had removed the sin and righteoused him. And he began to boldly pray some, some amazing things. And, and he said, we went from being sorry for Martin Luther to being afraid of him. Because his prayers are so authoritative and powerful. And, and I just want to tell you that, that you, as a born-again Christian, can pray standing boldly before the throne of grace, and we can ask Jesus confidently, audaciously, for the souls of people around us, not on our own works, not on our own performance, not on our own track record, but on the righteousness of Christ that he has given us as a gift that we stand in, by this grace in which we stand, Romans 5. So when I, want, I want you to hear this as, this is you. This is you. This is you. You are this in Jesus Christ. This is you. This is your birthright. There is a pattern. And, and in farming, you don't start with harvesting the crop. That's the end of the process. And so farmers have to irrigate and weed and cultivate and prune and attend the field and thin the fruit and trim, trim the branches and watch for the cold and the frost. And finally, after all that, then they harvest, as my father-in-law does, the orange crop. It's a process, and praying, and caring, and sharing. Let's all say prayer, care, share together. Can we do that? Prayer, care, share. If you've memorized that, you have got it. Prayer, care, share. So I want to look at prayer. Prayer. Prayer is watering the soil. And it's interesting, when Paul wrote Timothy about what's Job one. How many of you remember the car commercial? Quality is job one. Oh, come on. Thank you. Okay. 
The problem with a lot of American car manufacturers, they said quality was job one, but what did they actually make compared to the Japanese car ma makers? Junk. That sounds harsh, but... Okay. They didn't do what they claim to do. And my challenge to you and I isn't to intellectually say, yes, this is right, this is good, this is the truth. The challenge we're going to face is actually doing this. Jesus said, the one who hears these words of mine and does not do them is like what? A builder who built on what? Sand. The foolish man built his house upon the sand. Even our kids know this. Okay. The foolish man built his... And, and the person who hears his words and does them is like someone who builds their house on the rock. And the rains came, and the floods came, and the house stood. It isn't information, it's action. This is the challenge of our hour. If we merely nod our heads in polite Scandinavian, Northern European affirmation, because nice people agree. You agree, don't you? Because that's what nice people do. We agree, and then we just do whatever we want. But to their face, we agree, okay? Because that's politeness. I'm not asking for that. I'm asking on behalf of Jesus and embracing at your heart saying, if he says, first of all, First of all, I urge you, first of all, that requests, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for all men, that in order that we might lead a tranquil and quiet life in all godliness and dignity, this is good and pleases God our Savior who wants what? all men to be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. And, and here's, here's, here's the application point. My friends, we're not praying for the United States of America so that we can have a happy, nice little country. We're praying for what God gave in the first century, the Pax Romana, the Roman peace, which allowed the gospel to go out on the highways of the Roman Empire and for people to circulate and share the message and begin to go to new communities and cities and spread the gospel thanks to the order and commerce and freedom of movement that this dictatorial emperor-ruled empire provided. And Paul said, pray this continues because when there's an orderly as opposed to an anarchic, chaotic, lawless, and my friends, is our society trending towards chaos, lawless, anarchic, complete disorder, all hell-breaking-loose kind of society? You would think the gospel would do well, but actually Paul is saying, pray we wouldn't go there. Why? So that all people might be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. In other words, we're gospel praying for our society, for the sake of the message, for the sake of the truth of the gospel. And I'm sorry, but it's not about who wins and who loses with one exception. It's about 
him winning. First job, pray for society. Pray for everyone around you. Why? That pleases God. Why does it please God? Because he wants people to be saved. That's why. So when I'm praying my prayer list, have you noticed how easy it is to be praying about physical needs and aches and hurts? Have you noticed that? We tend to to reduce praying to praying for people's physical problems. And is there anything wrong with praying for physical problems? No, but but let's say say we're praying for Pastor Evan. Lord, don't just heal Pastor Evan. Use these, these many strokes to open the doors into the lives of people who are looking at his life from the outside and awaken them to see Jesus in him and to want to know how he can be so serene and joyful in the midst of all that. You see the difference? One is just praying for relief. The other is praying for God to move and work. Comprende? Do you follow what I'm saying here? See, Amen. Arriba. All right. Excellent. Brothers, Paul says, my heart's desire and prayer to God is for them that they may be saved. Prayer waters the soil. Prayer, pray. We, we were just in, in the Sunday school class talking about uh, the authority of God's Word and the reliability of God's Word and how people outside in the everyday world don't recognize the authority of the Bible. In fact, they hate it. They're against it. And how do we reach people? How do we reach people who are so far from God and so into themselves and their own authority to, to, to be everything and demand everything from others? How do, we reach, how do we reach people who are caught in the grips of that? There's only one way I know. Pray. We need a miracle. We need a miracle. We need a miracle. We need a miracle. We don't need great programs, a stunningly handsome and articulate pastor. All right, hey, man, you can give me an extra five bucks, you know, for my, okay, all right. What we need is for the spirit of the living God and the presence of the risen Lord to powerfully begin to open blind eyes and prepare hearts and knock down idols that are gripping and holding people in the chokehold and liberate the captives. Amen? And that's not going to come by human agency alone. It's going to require divine, overcoming, prevailing power. So when I say pray, I'm talking about We need, we get to, we are privileged as righteous, godly, holy people who are given that as a gift. We are privileged to begin to cry out on behalf of other people for their salvation, for deliverance and rescue to come into their sin-bound, enslaved, bleak, empty, believe-in-nothing lives. And it's going to take It gets to take lots of prayer from you and from me. Praying for the salvation of others is scriptural. Oh, I think I've made that point. Next slide. Prayer releases the power of God to assist you as an evangelist witness. How many people here tend to think of Paul as like a, a Christian superhero? I mean, when I read Paul in the book of Acts, I'm like, wow, 
Boy, look what this guy can do. Oh my goodness, how could any human do that? That's just like so awesome. Well, here's what Paul was saying. Could, could you pray for me? I don't know what to say. Oh, that's so normal. He doesn't know what to say. Uh, I, I'm, I'm scared. I don't have any courage. I'm, I'm a chicken. How many people here would say amen? Okay. Like Paul, I'm a chicken. Um, open, please, God, open the doors. All the doors are slammed in my face. I feel like I can't get anywhere with people. You ever feel that way? Boy, in the Pacific Northwest, welcome to the club. Pray that my words would be clear because left to myself, it's... In other words, Paul, like you, like me, needed God to give him the words, to open the doors, to give him the courage, the nerve he didn't have, and to make what he said, Holy Spirit, clear and apropos and right and full of grace at the right moment, at the right time, in the right way. These are things we can ask God to do on our behalf. Why begin with prayer? Well, let me ask you this. Why are pre-Christians in their present state of separation from God? What's their problem? What is their problem? You know, sometimes as believers, we, we get, anyone here lose patience with, with stupid people outside the church? Okay, well, let's be honest. You, you see stuff on Fox News or whatever you listen to, and it's like, oh, just, oh. You start yelling at your TV or your screen or your smartphone or whatever it is where you get your exciting and always encouraging source of news, okay? I mean, good news is so common. Yeah, that's sarcasm. There you go. All right. So the first question is, what's their problem? Why are they there? Here's the biblical answer. Number one, the Son of Man came to seek and to save that which is lost. They're lost. Have you ever been lost in the woods? I remember as a 12-year-old in Boy Scout camp, my scout leader told me to go that way, and then he sent the rest of the troop the other way, and I was like, where'd they go? Um, and my dad wasn't happy with him, let me tell you. But, but it wasn't fun realizing I'm lost. I don't, I don't know where I am. I don't know. That panic starts happening, and I was tempted to start going the wrong way on the trail. And instead, that little voice of what the scoutmaster said, stay put. Just stop. We'll find you. And they did. And that's where so many people are. They're lost. They're going the wrong direction. They forget. If they just stand still, God is chasing them. He's after them. The God of this world has blinded the eyes of the unbeliever, so that they might not see the glory of God in the face of Christ. We have an enemy. We have a master arch fiend who seeks to kill, steal, and destroy, and he is actively blinding the eyes of people under his sway. They just can't see it. I don't know if you've ever done this, but have you ever met someone outside a church in a totally different place like Walmart or something, and you, at first you just don't see him because you're used to seeing him somewhere else? Am I the only one that does stuff like that? No? And then you go, oh, oh, 
I do know you. you know, there's that human blindness. We, we don't recognize things always. And, 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 and the Bible says that people are, in 2 Timothy 2, 25, they're, they're held captive by the enemy to do his will. Ephesians 2, we're dead in our trespasses and sin. We're under the sway of the prince of the power of the air. We're, 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 we're condemned. We're children of wrath, even like the rest. He who does not believe the Son is condemned already. They're lost, blind, bound, condemned. The, one, the, the wrath of God rests on them. How are we feeling the joy? I mean, helpless. No one can come to me unless the Father draws him. We were dead in our, we were living corpses in our trespasses and sins. Hopeless, without hope, without God in the world. The Bible says that's what the problem is. And it's a big problem. It is. Remember, pre-Christians are trapped in a toxic, deadly, spiritual state. They need a spiritual antidote to effect a life-saving, soul-saving rescue. We need a miracle. You know, I pray with some, some people on Thursday mornings for revival, for, for God to revive and a, a great awakening, a spiritual move of the Spirit to, to flood and come upon our poor land, our poor nation. And, and I had this humorous prayer that came to me, dear God, I pray that all the world would be astounded by the image of thousands, even millions of Americans repenting, that you would make us a spectacle to the disbelieving nations, that even the proud, affluent Americans are repenting and turning to God. And we'd laugh because it was, such, it was kind of a funny picture, but, but there's a grain of truth there, isn't it, that literally... It will take a mass move of God to work in people's hearts before they get it, right? And so remember this, left untreated, this spiritual condition will result in what? What's the stake? What's on the line? Their certain spiritual everlasting separation from God. Hell is not a popular teaching. In today's no limits, no rules, do what you want, I say what's right for me, nobody can tell me what to do, blah, 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 culture. Okay? The truth is, before the all-righteous, terrifyingly holy, living God who says no sinful and unclean thing could ever be in my presence forever and ever and ever. So we either have to righteous and sanctify people by the blood of the Lamb and His resurrection power, or those folks just have to be put some other place forever. A place apart from all light, all beauty, all goodness. In other words, apart from the presence of God. It's a terrifying and terrible. And here's the worst part. Nobody has to go there. Can I say that again? The teaching of hell isn't the tragedy of hell is that it was never designed for people. It was designed for the devil and his angels. And the worst thing is God never meant, never wanted, does not desire the death of the wicked. He does not want people to go there. That's why he sent his only begotten son so that we would not perish, but have everlasting life. How many people here know John 
Oh, come on. Get your hands up. Okay, come on. Come on. All right. We know this. We know this. And therefore, their spiritual condition requires a spiritual solution. Jesus Christ alone is that solution. His gospel is the only way of giving them that solution. It is the answer. It is the only answer. It is the only answer that will ever be given for that terrible predicament that all human beings find themselves in before the living, righteous God who created the universe and who is infinite and beyond all of our understanding and reckoning. He is so big, he is beyond big. He is so righteous and holy, we can't even get our mind around it. It is infinite. That's how high the distance is. That's how great the gap is between us and between him. And there's only one way for that gap to be filled, and that's by he himself taking on our sin in the person of his son and accomplishing redemption and an atoning sacrifice that removes sin and provides righteousness. We're back to Martin Luther. Justification by faith. That's the answer, the full answer. Even the baby gets it. All right. So, I'm, I'm just going to say this because we live in an age of apathy. We live in an age of indifference. We live in an age of self-absorption. We live in an age of being consumed with our stuff, our problems, our issues, our whatever. Our toys, our friends, our church. Did I just say that? Do you know it's possible to be so busy with the things of the institution of the church that we have no time, no energy for people that don't even know Jesus? You know, it's when Kathy and I had to step away from full-time pastoral ministry because my parents were both sick, et cetera, and, and, and we're finding, it's like, you know, isn't it sad? We almost have to step away from our church ministry in order to be Christians, and be out and among the, the lost and people that don't know Jesus and, and have a focus on that instead of our stuff. I'm going to say it. When Jesus is our soul's sweet satisfaction and we're content and full of him and overjoyed in him, we won't need the church to be so many things because he's going to be that for us and he's going to minister that one to another so that we are so overloved and overfilled and overjoyed, we've just got to tell somebody about Jesus. You can't shut up. Wouldn't that be revolutionary? Wouldn't that be awesome? I tell people, you know, one of my ambitions is to be the Fidel Castro of Christianity. I want to be an aging revolutionary, inspiring young Christ revolutionaries to go out there and just go for it. Yeah, it's kind of a funny picture. I, I agree. It is. It's, it's, it's odd. I, you know, I'm, I'm sorry. I, Paul, Bob, I, I'm so sorry. I'm just, you're just going to clean up my mess for like two months, aren't you? Okay. Okay. Let's not be apathetic to their plight. Oh, my goodness, let's not judge them. Oh, it's so easy to judge. I must admit, when I get into a grocery line and some person takes out a coin purse, one, two, I'm like, use the card, lady. Come on. Please. So easy to judge. How about those drivers? 
I notice you have a little, little traffic issues here in the Vancouver brush prairie. You know. How easy is it like, oh, those idiot drivers. This is, duh, duh. Oh, I'll tell you, we, we do it. We do it. It's, it's frighteningly easy to judge and condemn. Oh, those, those, those people. Those people that vote for Bernie or Donald or Hillary or Jill. Good luck with that one. But anyway, so, um, uh, oh, yeah. Let's pile it on. Amen. Okay, so, so um, moving quickly, moving quickly, here are some Bible prayers you can pray. God, reserve them for yourself. First Peter 1, 2. Send many believers into their path. Raise up laborers for the harvest. Send all those laborers into their lives. Oh, that's a good prayer. Lord, bless them. It's the kindness of God that leads to repentance. Bless them to the point where they're just, they're just killed with kindness. They're just overwhelmed. I've been so rotten to God, and He's been so kind to me. Oh. Convict them. The Spirit of, Spirit of God is in the world convicting the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. Lord, would you do that for this person? Open their eyes to their perilous state before you and how righteousness is required. And you have sent a Savior to, to give them that. Open their eyes. Draw them. No one can come to the Father unless I draw them, the Spirit. Wow, that's cool. Turn on the magnet. Turn on the Jesus magnet. Turn, turn on the electromagnetism and draw the magnetize them to yourself, O oh Lord. Bind the evil one. Nobody can plunder unless they first bind the strong man. Lord, bind the enemy's activity, his idolatries, his, his things that he's bringing into their life. Just cut them off from the enemy. Bind him, gag him, dismiss him, go after him. Rescue them. The Son of Man came to seek and to save those which, Lord Jesus, would you save them? Rescue them. And then when they come to faith, grow them up, deepen them, make them multiplying good soil Christians that yield 30, 60, and 100 fold. Oh, we're not done when we come to Jesus. Have you noticed we're not done when we come to Jesus? It's only just, we've only just begun. Oh, yeah. You know, seeing Bob cringe is like the most fun thing. It is just so awesome. It's just like, Okay. Do we have the ushers available with those prayer, prayer sheets? Okay. Are they mostly men? Do you have men ushers around here? We, okay. I ask because sometimes I've said that and, oops, sorry, 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 ma'am. Yeah. So, okay. We're going to pass out to you two copies each of a little prayer list with blanks. Here's what we're going to do. This is how we're going to end. Okay, so there's hope for you. Oh, we're coming into home. So the, so the more cooperative and efficient you are. Oh, yeah. The more, so if we can get everyone with two of those, just, you know, everyone gets two. We should have plenty. So here's what you're going to do. You're going to write down the same set of names on both copies. We're going to take five minutes, max, and you're going to think about who are the people in my everyday world that don't know Jesus. Even it's the neighbor in the blue house. You don't have to be super specific. 
the, the guy down the hall in, at work. You, you can be vague. And, and one copy is going to be for you. And I'm going to ask you to do something in the name of Jesus. If you're not already praying evangelistically for these people, start to pray for them. Put this on the mirror. Put it on your dash. Put it, don't, don't bury it in your Bible. Come on, I know. We've got a stack of stuff in our Bibles. All right, don't bury it in the Bible. Put it somewhere you will see it and pray, even once a week, for these people. And then the second copy, write down the same name. So you with me? Two copies, same, same list of names. We're going to, and, and only first name, last initial. We don't need their last names. First name, last initial. And we're going to have the ushers come back and collect that second copy. And then ushers, you didn't know you were going to do this, but I have a special assignment for you. And you're probably just so happy to hear this. And you're going like, this guy's a nut. What is he going to ask us to do? I'd like you to total up the number of names. Count them quickly. Okay? And, and these ushers are sweating bullets and they're scared. And, and, and so, so could you love your ushers? Could you love them by getting your list done? And so five minutes, real quick, start to write them down. Did, did we run out? Oh, we will be back. Okay, they shall return. Okay. So before you leave today, get, get those lists in. And I'd, I would love to give you guys a total. This is how many people you know that you can pray for. What do we have, about 300 people, 400? 300? We're going to see how many people we know that don't know Jesus in five minutes that we write down, how many do 300 Christians know? You might be surprised. So let's get, keep writing. I keep stalling and talking. And so so keep, keep writing. We got more. We're, we're bringing around more. Okay. Very good. Okay. And when, uh, when you're done, when you have your extra list, uh, pass it to the middle so these guys can collect them. And you're allowed to write more than 10 if you're like, you know, you have just a whole bunch of people, you can write them down, that's okay. If you have one, two, three, or four, that's okay too. Okay. All right. All right, they're back with a few more. All right. Very good. I apologize for doing a most unbaptist thing. I, I apologize. Most people don't like to have to say something, write something, do something, but we're going to do it anyway, so. All right. But thank you for your cooperation. As, as God gives you names, write them. You have family members. You have neighbors. Even the, the, guy, the guy in the red house, the gal in the blue house, what, whatever comes to your mind. You have coworkers, students, people you sit with at school, at work. People you recreate with, you have fun with, you do, you do things with. 
people who pump your gas, bag your groceries, check you out at the, the grocery store. Old friends and new friends, there's a lot of potential people we could be writing down. All right. And you guys are working hard, bless you. Okay. Two copies, same list of names. Turn one in when you're done. Awesome. All right. Bless you guys. What would happen if just one person on all of our lists came to Jesus in the next few weeks and months? Yeah. Get a vision. It could happen. It could easily happen in the power of the Spirit of God and the grace of God. And, and here's something you're allowed to do. If you leave here today and God puts more people on your list, you can add to your list. That's allowed. Okay. Perfectly fine to grow our list. Add more people to it. In fact, I would encourage you. All right. Ushers, you are amazing guys. You're doing a fabulous job. Thank you. All right. All right. Okay. So how, how good are you guys at math, adding and stuff? Are you, are you ushers really math whizzes, and can you, add, can you add stuff up? Do you guys want to stay a little bit just to have a total? Would that be encouraging to hear? Amen? Yes? Okay, they're willing to stay, guys, so tur turn your lists in. If you've got them, hold them up. They'll come to you. Excellent. We got one right here. Did I see one? Okay. Fantastic. And are we out of time, my friend? No. no. We could actually come, could come back. If you could wrap up and at the closing party. And oh, okay. Here's what we're going to do. We're going we're gonna to wrap up at least my part, we're going to have, I guess, a closing song, and then we'll come back and announce it. Does that sound good? Okay. Oh, oh, oh really? You're going to clap for, okay, not just, all right, okay. All right, I deserve it. I, you know, you reap what you sow. I, I deserve that. Okay, let's, let's, let's pray. Lord, I pray that you would surprise, even amaze us with how many people collectively we already know that we don't have to do one more thing, be in one more program, go one more place. They're already there. We already see them. Would you open our eyes to the abundance of the harvest of the people you've put in our lives? I pray, God, you'd light a fire under us that nothing and nobody would put out for the power of the gospel, for the power of prayer 
in the lives and how we can move mountains and see you do amazing things just even by praying. So God, thank you, thank you, thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.